Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance, and for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, liberation, and empowerment. And it's our responsibility to promote a knowledge that's engaging and transforming, and as always, to empower you, our listeners, knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. That's what we try to do every single week, and we are grateful for every opportunity we get to do that. And it's another day, another day's journey. It is tax day. <laughs> We're talking about that board. But as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey uh, simply by calling the uh, number 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts, insights, commentary, dialogue. Two cents, four cents, six cents a dollar uh, <laughs> opinions in. Always available. Uh, the chat room is open, so you can join in the chat room. Simply go to Zero Today and uh, get in the, on the chat room. You can follow us on Twitter, me personally, at Prophesy, or the show at Zero Radio. Uh, you can email me, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail.com. Go to our Facebook page. Zero Network on Facebook, like the page, follow the show on blogtalkradio.com slash zero today, follow the show, you uh, can catch all kinds of archives in, and also, we're on Skype, we're everywhere we can be, we are there, check out my personal website, lorenzotinio.com, and you can see various writings, blogs, uh, uh, articles, and things I share, and I... Uh, I like that. I like that. So you can share that. Also, you can see a little bit more about me. Also, learn about me. You can also purchase a copy of my book. Matter of fact, uh, put a plug in here again. Uh, we have a fifth anniversary edition of my book, A Breach of the Family, coming out. And if you want to pre-order a copy, uh, simply go to uh, my webpage, uh, LorenzoTNeal.com, and you can order. You can pre-order because we've expanded it, we've added uh, added a couple of chapters and expanded on some of the other things in the other chapters, and it's really, really good. I really like it, and hopefully we'll have it out uh, by the end of May, and so you can get your, you can pre-order your copy now for $15. Simply go to uh, LorenzoTNeal.com and uh, follow the instructions there, um, or you can send me an email. We'll get you started with that, but I'm excited about this revised Still having some mic difficulties. Yeah, we're going to get us a new microphone sooner or later. (laughs) Apologize for the dead air. But it is what it is, and we're excited about doing it. We got a good topic coming up 
this morning we want to talk about validation. Uh, something a lot of people may be wondering about preachers. How in the world can you know? Uh, how can you discern if someone's ministry is being validated by God or not? So we're going to talk about that uh, at the bottom of the hour. And we want to get your thoughts and insight. Your opinions about this coast. Make sure you call. Make sure you get into the chat room um, to get that information. But before we get into any other headlines that I want to talk about today, let us go to the Lord in prayer. God of grace and God of glory, we thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for every good and every perfect gift that comes from you. Now let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be found acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as as I said before, there's a lot of headlines. So much that was going on this week that uh, caught my attention. And I'm going to I'm gonna start off with two, probably uh, one of the, um, not big stories, but uh, one of the events that I, I like watching is uh, the Gospel Music Heritage Night night at the uh White House. It's been going on for some time now. Um where various gospel artists are invited into the White House to perform for the president and first lady. And um the most recent one I believe was this weekend either uh well sometime this weekend. But it had guests like Rance Allen, had uh Shirley Caesar, had um I wanna say Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child and um. Oh boy, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin performed, and Bishop Brand Allen. I don't think I said it, but anyway. Uh, so it was aired on PBS. Uh, and it's wonderful, wonderful show. And I, I tell you, I caught the broadcast, at least part of it, and I, I was just, you know, some of those performances were just amazing. And some, you know, just so-so, but it um, it it, it kind of shows how far gospel music has come, and where the mainstream audience still has appreciation. They don't have appreciation for the contemporary. They want they want the old-fashioned kind of sound. You know, the gospel music of James Cleveland. You know, the choir style. That's what they associate. With gospel music, not the urban remix, contemporary kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it was also interesting because last week at the uh, White House prayer breakfast, uh, uh, gospel or Christian hip hop uh, rapper um, Lecrae performed. I mean, not performed. He was present, but there was a bit of a controversy. Surrounding him, not because of where he was, but you know he he he's not a, a dressy dressy kind of person. He wears you know dressed down. He's a rapper, so this occasion he got dressed up in suit tie and all that stuff. And some people were critiquing him uh, because when he performs, you know he's laid back, casual. But then he got all dressed up to see the president, and they were saying was he putting more you know honor, giving more honor to the president to God than to God. But you know it's kind of flabbergasted. I don't I don't care about stuff like that anyway. Uh, but the flip side of that is that because he is an artist, he's an artist who, uh, well, technically he's a secular artist who raps gospel music, or is he a gospel music who raps to secular style, uh, secular styled music? I, it, it, it's that is to be determined by the listener. Anyway, so he he performed, he won the Grammy, he's got all these things, but person has reported, at least there's been one report of his music being played at strip clubs, at or at least a strip club, where there were dancers, uh, exotic dancers, strippers, dancing to his music. Now, I'm quite sure they probably didn't know, or if they did know, they didn't care, that this rapper, you know, like Kendrick Lamar, Kendrick Lamar claims to be a Christian rapper, uh, a rapper who is a Christian, and and some of his music, he reflects his spirituality. And then in a lot of his music, it's just, you know, I, you know, well, it's typical 
rap music. I, I you know, I, I've listened to a couple of his of his tracks before. Um, but anyway, you know, so it's on. It's one thing for them to play Kendrick Lamar, who claims to be a Christian, you know, born again Christian, and he expects his music to be played in those type of environments. But you don't expect uh, someone who not just only claims to be a Christian rapper, but exclusively his lyrics reflect his spirituality altogether, every song, you know, and he's marketed as such. You don't expect that kind of music to be played in a strip club, but when there is no differentiation in the style, the tone, and the beat, you know, they don't care. Most people don't care. I, I just want to share that with you because it's, that's it's kind of been an interesting, you know, it's an interesting dichotomy. And segueing from that into this past weekend also, where actor Taraji P. Henson was on Saturday Night Live. Uh, she's gained popularity in uh, the world as re- recently because of her role as Cookie on the television show Empire. Now, I have never watched – no, I lie. I watched part of the finale show, only about 30 minutes worth of that show. I, I, I really didn't understand it. Because I didn't watch the first show, I didn't watch all of it. But uh, I just happened to leave my television on while my dog was at home, and I left it on Fox. And by the time I got home <laughs> that night, that show was on. So I just watched it while I was eating my dinner. And when I finished eating my dinner, I turned the television off, and the show was two hours. I didn't care. But anyway, so Taraj P. Henson has won. I, I've admired her as an actress for a number of years. Um, and, you know, she's a very talented actress. She's appeared in several films before becoming more widely known as Cookie in Empire. And if you recall now, uh, she has she has garnered fame for this character. She won. Well, she got she came to mostly to recognition because of her role as one of the uh, prostitutes in the movie, um, um, oh boy, cannot think of the name of this movie, uh, her and Terrence Howard, that was their first connection in that movie, he played Pimp, and uh, y'all know the movie I'm talking about, but the movie won an Emmy, uh, uh, Three Six Mafia won, uh, not an Emmy, well they probably did win an Emmy, but they won an Oscar, Three Six Mafia won an Oscar for the song that she sang on, uh, that they rapped on, and it, it's, it got crazy. Anyway, but both her, the only time she got recognized, she has been recognized, is for these characters. First as the prostitute, and now as, and she's played in several other roles that have shown her to be a strong actress as well as a strong woman. Um. And so she's on Saturday Night Light Live, and she's talking about, you know, she acknowledges the fact that she's been in the show business for about 20 years, and she knows she's made it because she's on Saturday Night Light, Night Live. That means white people actually know who she is. <laughs> it was a funny joke. And she then goes into a nice little monologue about, you know, where she's been from. Then she she has a song that she sings that says, look like I made it, or I made it, or something to that nature. But anyway, the song... Uh, the opening, the opening number, had her singing, and then it brought in a gospel choir, and uh, or a group dressed in robes. <laughs> I don't know why they, you know, I know most of our churches still wear robes, at least in the mainstream. You know, you know, they still wear robes. A lot of churches got gotten away from robes, but anyway, you they don't they don't feel you're a gospel choir unless they put you on. A robe with a stove, <laughs> and not one of those, old, you know, one of those old stoves that come all the way down. <laughs> anyway, so she's singing this, and uh, the choir is backing her up, and you know, it's real gospely, you know, got that old church feel, you know, you clap your hands and all that stuff, and and um, various cast members members from SNL come out and. They say, what well, I could have been such and such and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And, and it ends, you know, it 
climaxes till they all say that uh looks like I made it. But one cast member uh who's Keenan uh who's one of the black cast members said in uh in, in an interview following the show said that Taraji P. Henson actually caught the Holy Ghost while filming that number that she actually started shouting. And, you know, she caught the Holy Ghost and and some people have been you know, there's been a Twitter frenzy. There's been a lot of craziness in response to that uh, interview because uh, he says that uh, she was not faking. She actually caught the Holy Ghost. And there were those good Christian folk who were saying that there's no way she could have caught the Holy Ghost because that song wasn't holy. There was nothing gospel about it. There was nothing, <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's just, it made me wonder, and it, it kind of segues into the topic a little bit later on we'll, we'll really get into. But, you know, how people have not learned to differentiate betwixt the moving of the spirit and emotion and what dictates church, the church experience in the black, in the black church experience. And we're finding it out that most folks think that you ain't had church in the black church experience unless you shout. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But it is uh, Hustle and Flow is the name of the movie. Thank you, uh, uh, person. <laughs> Thank you for uh, – see, that's why I'm glad. I, I'm glad I got people who actually listen and actually chime in every now and then. The name of the movie that Taraj P. Henson and uh, Terrence Howard was in is Hustle and Flow. Okay, thank you. <laughs> That was fun. See, I get audience participation. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, but she made me lose my train of thought. Um, anyway, so th- th- it was. It's hard to differentiate uh, that experience, and, and there are those who, you know, part of SNL is to it's a comedic sketch show, comedy sketch show. So. You know, when you say a person caught the Holy Ghost, you know, the average person who watches that show or have no probably have no concept of the Holy Ghost. If they do, it's it's very very, I, you know, and I'm being very overgeneralized here in this in in this statement. Not trying to offend anyone. I'm just being very. It, it, it's but it's highly unlikely that they will even understand that concept of the Holy Ghost in the black church spirit, but they like seeing it. It's entertaining. And uh, the same thing with the White House Gospel Night, you know, Gospel Heritage Night, the White House. It's entertaining. White folk love seeing us because do stuff like that because in their mind we're still minstrels. And, yes, I say in their mind I'm being very general because that's, you know, the perception of the black church, the black preacher, is entertainment. That's why white politicians love coming to our church. They love watching the choir scene. They love doing all that. They love hearing the preacher growl and howl and hoop, just like you know some of the blues singers back in the day, because it's entertainment. And once it stops being entertaining and begins to be effective, it, it's, it's invalidated. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. I just thought I'd share that. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Preachers of uh, Detroit, and I think I got a little time. I don't want to go over too much, but um, I'm all, uh, the show is always the show interests me for 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 some reason. I I don't understand why, but it really does interest me, and. Part of me wishes the show would end because I don't see how it's, it's drawing people. But, but the last episodes have been really have been really interesting, to say the least, because it's been it's brought up depression, it's brought up issue family issues, sexual immorality, sexual purity. It's brought up. Uh, the 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 uh ambition things of that nature and, and I like those those undertones within the show 
and because it shows the uh, the diversity of the preachers. But at the same time, I think it does a lot of hurt to us because of the drama acquainted with it. And we got to figure out how we can, how can we be transparent as preachers without the drama? I, I don't know if there's anything there. But if you want to share some thoughts about that, that's fine too. But I got to take a break because I've really gone over the time. So we're going to take a break. And when we get back from the break, we are going to get into our topic of the day, validation. And search people, preachers, ministries, in search of validation. And if God doesn't validate someone, will you? <laughs> That's the question of the day. We want to know what you say, what you think about that. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, that's what we're going to do. Be right back after this. about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Talk to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Friends, there's nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock, the newest candle fragrance by Heatcentric, is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan hand-poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. Peacock by Heatcentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you will not disappoint when you order your candle today from Heatcentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home, and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com, and while they also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter, I'm telling you, you will love both. Peacock by Heatcentric, reflecting the glory in everyday life. Your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. The number to call to get in on the line 
If you want to get your thoughts, insights in the air, on the air, two, uh, 347-237-5230 or Hit us up when the chat room is open so you can share your thoughts there also. Thank you for those who are in the chat room. Hit me up on Twitter at Prophesy or for the show at Zero Radio. Anyway, so we're going to get into our topic of the day. And the question is, can you discern if someone has been validated by God, someone's ministry has been validated by God, what what should you look for? What what, what is there a, is, Should there be some kind of sign? Or better yet, have you validated someone? Who has been invalidated by God? Have you validated somebody's ministry who's been invalidated by God? Think about that for a second. I just want you to say that. By validation, talking about have you have you said to a person, may not have said, but have you like said, oh, okay, that person might be this, that person might be that. And I tell you, there have been plenty of times that I've fallen for a sucker. <laughs> I've been a sucker for people who have really just you know, put shame on me, shame on God too. And I'm probably sure all of us have. I I'm writing a book right now and uh the book is called uh the working title is Outsource Validation. And uh the the premise of the book uh the premise of the book is that uh you know uh God uses us uses us to validate not only his his is his mission to re uh, well he has already redeemed mankind but his mission and his empowerment to us to connect with each other uh and, and to validate each other as a community of believers matter of fact you know uh, part of the reason we gather every week as church folk is to do that to validate the fact that we are believers in the way, the believers in the Christ, believers in Jesus of Nazareth and God raised him from the dead. So we reinforce that in various means, preaching being the primary reason, and then uh, discipling and evangelizing and discipling being the secondary ones. Uh, But anyway, so a lot of people in today's 21st century uh, society, it's so easy to get stuff started. You know, you can you can get the GoFundMe, you can get the Kickstarter and launch a ministry. You, you know that? Did you did you realize that people are are using Kickstarter, GoFundMe to launch ministries. You know, to help them secure funding to start their ministry or whatever. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh you know, um it's like back in the old days when you used to have the church building fund. And the, and the church building fund, there'd be money in the church building fund for decades and no building would be built. <laughs> Do y'all know about that? Or is that just me? Uh, anyway. <laughs> I don't know if that really has anything to... Y'all, I'm on drugs this morning, so excuse me. Anyway. Um, so you have... You have various means of creating... A ministry, or, or, or you know, yeah, creating a ministry, or promoting your ministry. Now you have YouTube. There are people who do YouTube videos. May never be called, but they they do a good job at promoting these YouTube videos, so they get plenty of followers there. Uh, like now, and and the radio show like mine, you know, their Block Talk Radio uh, is. An open radio, so anybody can get on. And there are plenty of people who start radio broadcasts, and there are several others. You stream others, uh, and, you, and you know there are various ways right now of creating opportunities for ministry, for ministers, for personalities. And other than the flamboyant and just flamboyant ministries and personalities, it's hard for us to discern. Most times it's hard for the discern if people are called by God or not. It's, it really is. You may I like to hear your thoughts on that, but me personally, I find as of late, uh, because of the vast vastness of means today of getting your name out there, it's hard to invalidate as a person, you know, because you know. For example, if you get so many followers on Twitter, 
some people would say that that's anointed, you know, because you got so many followers of Twitter. You know, think about all the celebrities who have hundreds of thousands, and some even have millions of followers. And so they're, you know, they're they're preachers, they're uh, uh, personality, church personalities, who are having the same type of acclaim. And 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 here's the thing, I I I, I, I state this. The scripture says that Jesus was famous. Matter of fact, Mark is one specifically that after he was baptized by John, the scripture says that his fame spread in the Gospel of Mark. So he was a pretty famous person. He didn't he didn't use crowdfunding sources to get famous. For some reason, he simply preached a a very simple message: repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he did miracles of various kinds, raising the dead, um, casting out devils. Uh, he understood those, those those magical formula. The, he, you know, he was trained as a magi and as a rabbi. So where, where he got that training from, no one knows. Uh, but he was trained in the mystical arts, and he was trained in the law. When he didn't have access to that training, so and when he preached or when he did miracles, when he spoke and when he taught, the people were amazed. They were amazed at him. They said he has more authority. He's teaching and doing this, saying these things with more authority than those who are trained in the law. And he was really famous for that. And that fame led to his death. But today is not like that. Today we don't have. Uh, we have a lot of famous people, and they're not famous because of the anointing. And I just, I got to say that. There are a lot of preachers out there preaching who are famous, but are not anointed. They know how to do gimmicks. They have gimmicks. They have tricks. They know how to tune up. You, you get what I'm saying? They know how to work the crowd. And it's you know, particularly in the, like the 1940s and 50s, as the tent revival and camp meeting meeting, when those kind of things were popular during that time, post World War II, and also, well, actually, let's go back to the 17th century, uh, to the 18th century with Jonathan Edwards and George Whitehead, uh, and then the 18th, uh, the, the 19th century with the you had the First Great Awakening, that was with Jonathan Edwards in the 1700s. Then you had the Second Great Awakening in the 1800s, and that spread the, the what we now call the Holiness Movement, gave birth to various uh, 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 Holiness Movements, and later on the Pentecostal Movement and the Apostolic Movement that we see today that has morphed into something that is... I, we can't even begin to describe because it's crazy. Those were famous, and and people were taking advantage of these movements and creating. For example, you had in the 20th century, you had um, what's the lady preacher? Um, she, oh, hold on for a second. She was um. She started the church. She started the Four Square Church movement, uh, and it's gonna come to me uh, in a minute <laughs> when I'm not thinking about it. She's go the name, but anyway, she gained popularity. She used um, she used the popularity of the radio. It was very new. She used that kind of technology and became a superstar. Literally, and that kind of cult of personality has continued to this. Amy Simple McPherson, that's her name. Thank you, Amy Simple McPherson. You know she she rose personality, she rose to fame in the mid twenties, and um, you know bit that big church in Los Angeles. Uh, and anyway, but you know she had quite a scandal in her life, but she was famous. And the question, you know, people were asking, well, was God's hand on her because uh, she had a scandal where she uh, she said she had gotten kidnapped and she actually had was committing adultery or something like that. Anyway, uh, so people were questioning her anointing or uh, stuff like that. 
And in modern day, we see people, we see preachers embedded in scandal. And when I say embedded in scandal, there it's not it's not it's not like it's made up, not rumors. This is these are things that are val- verifiable scandals, real outright scandals in court and, and making the news headlines. And yet these people are still in ministry because they're saying that God has anointed them. But how do you know that? How do you know God has anointed them? Is it because of the 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 word that they give? Because if it's the word that they give, but their lifestyle doesn't really live up to the word that they give, then the question is: Is God validated? And and to that, some the answer will be yes, because they'll go back and use the example of David. And, and <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing about thing about David. God validated David as a child. If you read, you know, of course, in First Samuel 16, where God tells Samuel to go down to Jesse's house, and he pours the anointing of all the boys. It doesn't come out. And then he calls and says, you got another boy? And he says, yeah, I got my little boy, David, but he's a little kid out watching the sheep. Go get him. Bring him here. Brings him to him, to prophet Samuel, and the oil comes out, so he's anointed the new king. And that's a symbol of God's validation to the call of David, according to the narrative. But however, just like God used Samuel to validate Saul as king, and Saul decided to rebel against God, David did so too. Because it, when you read, and, and when you read, not only did David commit adultery and conspiracy to murder, but in Second Samuel chapter twenty-three, he blatantly disobeyed God and did a census. When he wasn't told to, so God wouldn't allow him to build the, the temple, even though he desired to. So, in in so many words, it's almost like God invalidated David's kingship after that, because shortly thereafter he died, and after he died, his house fell into disarray with his son Solomon, uh, who also in First King God seemed to validate Solomon when Solomon prays and said, "God, you know, all I want is." All I want is just to do right by you. And God rewards Solomon, you know, answers Solomon's prayer by giving him an astounding wisdom according to the narrative that was not seen in any other man at the time. And so you have those that, that sense of a God validating, yet those persons were very, very, not only were they imperfect, but they were very immoral, highly immoral. And so you can't, you know, that's part of the counter-argument. How do we know if God has validated someone's ministry? Because historically, we have record of those whom God seemed to use greatly, but were very, very dysfunctional. So, you know, we have scriptural references throughout the Old and New Testament for that. For example, we, uh, of course, you know, Number one in the New Testament that comes to mind is that of Peter. When you read the narrative of Peter, who is comes across as being very quick tempered, <laughs> very you know, he had a short temper and a big mouth. One point, even though he was one of Jesus' most cherished uh students and disciples, when Jesus said, I I got to go to Jerusalem. I've got to do what God called me to do. Peter tried to keep him from going. And Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan. And he openly rebuked Peter. And in the midst of that, you know, you think that would humble Peter down, but it didn't. Uh, Peter still blatantly uh, denied Jesus. To not do so. And yet, according to the narratives in Luke uh, and in Acts, which Luke wrote, or it is credited to to Luke, um, Peter is the one who stands up and proclaims that the Jesus of Nazareth, who they had recently crucified, was the Messiah figure that they were looking for 
because God raised him from the dead and he fulfilled all the expectations all the way to this day. While they were waiting for Messiah, they saw him and they beheld him not as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and they crucified him. But the same Jesus who they crucified is now Lord, Christ and Lord. And that's very, very distinguished. You know, he's Christ and Lord. And so uh, uh, it seems to be a major turnaround. And, of course, you have uh, in the same book the story of Saul of Tarsus who uh, had this uh, <laughs> interesting encounter on the Damascus Road, go from persecutor to apostle. And he himself, throughout his writings, you know, says that he's not, he wasn't worthy because he never physically saw Christ, but Christ did appear to him and validated him as an apostle. And he spends, especially in Second Corinthians chapter chapter ten and chapter eleven, he spends that whole those whole chapters validating his ministry, saying how God validated his ministry, even though others were discounting him while he was in prison. Others were discounting him, mocking him, and even going around preaching, hoping to bring shame on him, and yet. God still validated his ministry with the churches that he pastored and he wrote letters to, at whose now whose letters now we have as part of our holy writ, and we've developed a lot of our you know some of it bad but a lot of it good uh, doctrine and dogma from uh, a lot of the writings of Paul, uh, uh, Paul the apostle. So the question. Of validation really isn't about what you see or what you don't see. Right now, me, this is me. I think, particularly for the black church, it's been seen on as a validation of membership. We black preachers like to, well, preachers in general, you know, we validate our ministries by how many folk we got. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, hey, Doc, how many folks you got? Oh, I got 30. Oh, Doc, I feel you, man. How many you got? Oh, I got 500. <laughs> I'm making light of this, but that's that's one one way we've seen to validate and stroke our egos as preachers. A uh, part of it part of it is is okay, but you know, the question still goes back to um what signs do we look for to determine is the preacher in search of being validated? If we, if a person, if a preacher knows that he or she has not been validated by God, and they come to you for validation, how can you tell? Think about the preachers who are in the pulpit. Think about the latest scandals, and it goes back to, uh, as I said before, you know. We can't rely on scandals as a means as a means of a saying that this person is or is not anointed because they're human, they're subject to uh immorality I'm starting with myself. We're all subject to that uh the depravity of our human nature often causes us to succumb. To desires, to the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So, the only way we don't get around that till we get out of this body. However, there are those who intentionally try to fool people, deceive people, who are overly ambitious. And by overly ambitious, they they have they they want to do something for God so bad. And that's a wonderful thing. They have a zeal for God, but not after knowledge. There were, for example, the rich young man, there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus, who had a desire to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, have you kept the law? He says, I have kept them all since my youth. And he goes through them and Jesus said, good, good deal, good deal. I see that you're wealthy. You like being wealthy? Yes, sir, I love being wealthy. Well, I tell you what. Go sell everything that you have, then come follow me. And the rich young ruler looked at Jesus 
and was very grieved because he had a lot of money. He was very wealthy, and he didn't follow Christ. And there are so many persons who have a desire, who sincerely desire uh, to serve God. And oftentimes they may have a great zeal to that that accompanies that desire, but they don't have a call. They have ambition. The dangerous part about the the society we live in now is because they may have that zeal, ambition coupled with sincerity, they can get on any type of you know, they can get on social media now. Uh all they gotta do is go buy a camera, they can get on YouTube and if they do the right thing or even they do crazy things, uh to get the you know, to get if they can do something to make that video go viral, then guess what? They now have a platform. God may have nothing has had nothing to do with it, but now they have a platform to do more. And it's a very dangerous thing. I'm not saying ambition is wrong. Uh, far from it, you know. A uh, person who does not have ambition is like a person, is like a sloth, you know. They really don't do anything. Have no di- no drive. But most, the average human being is born with ambitions to do something. Everyone wants to be something great. You know, they all, a lot of people have these big dreams, and we're told to dream big and all of that stuff. But in the church, there's a danger to dreaming big. You don't want to build an empire, but some preachers do. Some people, some preachers are intent on building their quote unquote brand. That's the key, that's the catch word today. Brand. Build your brand. Your ministry is your brand. Trademark yourself. You know, how do you market yourself? How are you promoting? How do you package yourself, your ministry? How do you go about doing that? That's the question. And you can do all of that without God. Because the average person, including myself, those of us who have been deceived and and followed um, ministers who were really, really anti-Christ. And by anti-Christ, I mean against Christ. They were selfish in their ways. For example, let me give you an example. Go to Scripture in Acts. I want to say it's Acts 13. uh, Somewhere in there. Maybe, maybe not. But it's a story of Peter, uh, Peter, and no, it's not Acts fourteen, thirteen. It's the story of Peter and um, the sorcerer, uh, Simon the sorcerer. And I've talked about it before. Um, boy, it's gonna get to me when when I'm when I'm not trying to think. <laughs> but anyway, the story of Peter. Peter and John, they go to this village, and they're uh, preaching and laying hands. And the story is that Simon, the sorcerer, had captivated these people because he was a magician. He was a, ma- he was a magi. He was trained in the, the arts, uh, the secretive arts or whatever they may have been. And, he, you know, he held these people captivated by his his magic. And he sees Peter and the other apostles laying hands and people catching the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit. <laughs> catching the Holy Ghost. And he goes to them and he says, I want, here's, here's some money. I want to buy that ability. And Peter said, your money perish with you. You can't do this. This is not, you can't buy this. This is the Spirit of God. You can And, and Simon was converted. He had converted. He had become a believer because of the signs and wonders that the apostles had done. He become a believer, yet he had not relinquished his magical abilities. He had not relinquished any of that. He decided to incorporate what he saw the apostles doing into his sorcery. 
and sorcerer really isn't a good word, but I'm going to stick to what they call him in the Bible, Simon the Sorcerer. So that's the only reason I'm sticking to that. But that's that's not really what it was. Anyway, and, and because of this, his ambition and his sincerity, he sincerely converted. He heard it preached. He sincerely converted. But he was ambitious to create his, recreate his brand or incorporate something new into his brand, what he was doing. And he saw it, and he wanted to do it, but, you know, they weren't having it. And then there's a later story that follows uh, up the story that later on uh, in Jerusalem, uh, these two meet again. Peter and Simon the Sorcerer meet again, and there's a challenge put forth, and uh, and um, someone challenges them to miracles. And Simon does one of his, he, you know, they go tit for tat on acts. You know, magical acts. Uh, Simon does one. Peter does another one. And then Simon ups the ante. He does an act where he actually flies. And while he's flying, uh, the reference says that Peter uh, began to, you know, pray. And as he prayed, he said whatever magical thing that Peter said that caused Simon the sorcerer to fall dead. You know, while he was flying, he fell out the air. He died. So, um Anyway, that that's one of those narratives that kind of correct correlates with this this thing. But we right in today's society, we are really we are really put into a a situation where we are being forced. We have to force ourselves to really really discern what's really going on with people. Uh, are they ambitious? And if they're ambitious. If their ambition is one that is driven by themselves or if it's something from God. And you can't use outward external things as a means of validation. You can't use, oh, this this man of God led the church from one peop from ten people to ten thousand people. That 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 may be one way, but you know, but that's not the only way of validation. Or um you know this person's ministry is international. <laughs> and this is a side plug. You know, it, it always makes me laugh when I find a lot of churches that got international in their name, and they have no other ethnic group in their in their categories in their churches. You know, they're either entirely one ethnic group, but they're international, and they only have one location, but they're international. Yeah. Anyway. I I digress on that. So, what do we look for? What you should be looking for is, and this really is intangible, but you uh, you should be able to question a person's prayer life. What is their spiritual discipline? What do they? How do they spend their time, their day? Uh, how are they accountable, and to whom are they accountable? Are they willing to be transparent? If they were not willing to be transparent, uh, aside from them just having a big ego issue, it may be that they are convicted when they know that their ministry is invalid, when they know it. It could be also that uh, they have a zeal for God and they want to do something for God. There's a lot of people who want to do something for God. But it's been misappropriated. And if they don't have the right pastoral guidance, if they don't have the right mentors, if they have no mentors, it's a great, great chance that they will miss the mark. And unfortunately, I believe in American uh, Christendom, we have a lot of people who are missing the mark. They're ambitious. They are very ambitious. In our in our faith communion, we have uh, a way of examining preachers who say they are called. We have what's called the Board of Examiners, and I'm a part of the Board of Examiners. As a matter of fact, uh, for my district, my uh, local district, I am the chair of ministerial orders. So before they get to the bishop, before they get to anybody, they have to come through me. Uh, and it's my responsibility to examine them. You know, 
the call ask we have questions to ask and ask answer satisfactorily you know we let them begin the process and then you know they have to go through a full psychological examination they have to go through uh it's our whole ordination process for two ordinations the ordination of deacon and ordination of elder takes ordination of deacon takes two years the ordination of elder takes up to five years the plus seminary they have to go to seminary you can't get ordained elder in our community until you uh complete seminary but by the time most of them here uh, you know and the people some of the young men and ladies who have come through me who want to be in ministry by the time they heard of the requirements their heart they were greatly disheartened because they didn't want to do all of that and then invalidate their their desire you know invalid invalidated their their ministry their their opportunity to be in ministry in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, but not with somebody else. When I was a Baptist preacher, <laughs> you know, it was funny because most times, you know, I, I've I've been a part of a part of uh, presbyteries for the Baptist Church when I was Baptist, where God preached a sermon his first his first sermon uh, one night, then the next week church called him the pastor and of course scripture says that if you're going to be a pastor or bishop or elder you must not be a novice but <laughs> there were a lot of novices who were pastoring in ministry and they were <laughs> it took them a while you know they got a few bumps and bruises before they grew into maturity some never grew into maturity a lot of them even ended up leaving ministry but there needs to be a process in place and if you're a pastor listening don't be afraid to be strict for those in your ministry training program. Don't be afraid to uh, provide accountability for yourself first and make them be accountable to you. Uh, and don't be afraid to ask where their heart is, where their drive is, why do, why do they want to be in ministry, what do they see themselves doing in ministry. And, you know, I've heard people say that, that they are called to be a bishop. You can't be called to be a bishop. The bishop is an office. The episcopacy is an office. It's not a calling. You know, you are elected to that office. You, you know, you don't get anointed to be a bishop. Uh, you just don't start calling yourself to be a bishop. That's not how it works. You are elected to that office. It doesn't matter what uh, reform you're in. You're elected and consecrated. And you have to ask them those hard questions and be willing for them to challenge you. Because if they challenge you, you know, then you can have a a good idea that they may not be ready for what they're saying they're ready for. And there's nothing wrong with that. We send people back all the time and say, no, you ain't ready. Takes preparation. Even Jesus prepared before he entered public ministry. You know, he spent at least forty days alone in the desert, in the wilderness, and before then, he spent time as a disciple of John. He learned the message of John. He learned the message and method of John, so that when he began his public ministry, he was doing what John the Baptist was doing. And he established himself that, that way. And he trained his disciples to do the same thing and gave them the same message to which they he has now entrusted that to us. It's our responsibility. Now, I'll run over time because i only only on schedule for an hour today. Uh, so if I go out the air, this is still, I'll be talking for a little bit more. And uh, you, you, you might not hear, but we're still, we're still on. Um. The point I'm trying to make uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is we we've got to be more careful on determining who goes forward in ministry cuz we got some janky preachers we got some shade tree preachers we got some Crafty men and women sitting in pulpits 
who care not for anyone else but themselves. There are men and women who see ministry as an opportunity to either get wealthy or power, control over someone. And it's a sad thing because in doing so, they not only hurt the people, but they really grieve the Spirit of God. And it's a grieving the Spirit of God that it, that they put themselves in violation. And I think that's what we need to really, really be cognizant of. We need to be cognizant of the fact that there are people who are intentionally entering ministry for the purpose of destruction. In some some countries in Africa, there are stories of witch doctors intentionally uh, planting people in churches to place curses on those churches. They're infiltrating, and there 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 are reports, and um, and of course this is very generalized because again these are second and third hand reports of uh clothes uh of of witches uh covens of witches planting uh people in churches with the purpose of destroying the church from the inside out again you know how likely this is how truthful this is I do not know, but you know these are things that I've heard of over the years. Um, but there are there there are people, men and women, who use other preachers to validate their ministry. I think about the the movie The Apostle. I've never, if you've ever seen the movie The Apostle, it's a funny movie. It's a good movie. It's a very very powerful movie, insightful movie. Uh, but Robert Duvall plays a, uh, a preacher who commits uh, a murder, who runs away from the law, and then creates a new personality, a new identity uh, as a minister, builds a church. The church starts to grow, and at the end, uh, the police catch up with him and take him to jail. But it's not before he has had a a powerful impact on the local community in Louisiana where he, where he starts this church. But there are a lot of preachers like that. He went to another pastor to validate him. You know, he got the pastor who was a local, you know, he was a local pastor. He got, you know, he convinced him to say, look, I want to do this. I heard you got this. Let me do it. You And you, you know, validate me. And he did. And that's what pastors are what I'm in, what I'm very, what I'm trying to do is encourage you and exhort you to to be be discerning, you know. Uh, there'll be moments in ministry, doing ministry where people will have an enormous sense of burden for the work of God. And the work is all divine. They'll have a great sense of duty to do uh, some form of ministry. And don't be so quick to put them into preaching ministry because that could that could hurt them as well as hurt the church. And if you are a preacher and you're listening to me and you're not, if you're not a pastor, if you are an itinerant evangelist, or if you're a local evangelist, or whatever it may be, uh, don't try to convince your pastor. To send you forward. Just because you have that unction to do so. Does not mean that you need to do so. When I was a young preacher. I was a you know. I began ministry at a very very young age. And I've done every facet of ministry. I've done the prison ministry. I preached on the street corners. I've gone to visit the nursing home. I've been a chaplain. And uh, you know. I've I've done just about every facet of ministry. That you could think of. And, And you know. Pastoring was one of the one of the last ones I wanted to do, and when I was you know when I was placed in pastoral ministry, 
and that was it was not something I wanted to do. I I you know I I actually tried to tell my pastor I wanted to be an evangelist. That's what I thought I was called to be. And my pastor at the time was like, "Look, because um, I had just joined Amy Church, and even though I had been pastoring in a Baptist church, uh, I had a wanderlust. You know, I I wanted to travel. You know, I wanted to move around. And, and he had to explain to me that the itinerant means that itinerant ministry affords you the opportunity to be able to move around. Uh, and and I have enjoyed my ministry and and uh, the itinerant." I had to learn to be content in where I was, and I had to learn how to balance my ambition. And as a matter of fact, in my book, uh, I, I, I dedicate a chapter to that in this book that I'm writing um, about balancing your ambition. Uh, and I, I talk about David, how David wanted to build the temple, and God said, you know, you got too much blood on your hands. And you can't build it. When David wanted to find about find out how how big his kingdom was, uh, and he built, you know, he sent out the, that that uh, census. But he still has a desire to do something great for God. And we don't we don't want to allow our zeal and our ambition. To misplace us in God's purpose. I, I said it again. Don't allow your zeal and your ambition to misplace you from God's purpose. You'll be surprised how easy it is to do, especially now when you can do everything. When you can, <laughs> when you, <laughs> y'all, I hear people walking outside the door. Of the church is a trail by my church, and people just walk by. Apparently, there's a very upset lady who just walked by. Anyway, you don't want to allow your ambition to misplace you from God's purpose. Learn how to be content in the state of ministry that you are, and God will exalt you in His due time. As as Paul writes, "Be not weary in well doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not." Painting isn't the issue. Ambition is. So anyway, I've run over my time. I appreciate you listening. Thank you for taking out this time to listen. Uh, we're going to be back next week on another exciting show. If you have any questions, comments, share. Hit me up. Uh, Pastor Lorenzo O'Neill at gmail.com. On Facebook at Zero Network if you got comments about the show. I'd love to hear about it. Again, you can make comments about the show anytime and catch any archive of the show. Uh, visit my website. And you'll catch all of that. We appreciate all that you have done to help us. And again, I want to invite you to go purchase a cop uh, or pre-order a copy of my book. Uh, that's uh, the fifth anniversary edition that's getting ready to come out. You can pre-order a copy for fifteen dollars. We'll make sure that you get that. And we're just excited. Thank you for everything you do. But I got to get out of here and get the rest of my day started. The Lord bless you and keep you. Just pass the meal, and I'm out.